critical thinking is the most important skill you can have when you're living in a world that seems to have lost its mind. Everyone out there is trying to tell you what to think. I want to teach you how to think. In every episode, I'm exposing the logical fallacies being used by advertisers, politicians, influencers, news outlets, social media memes, and maybe even your own best friend. Warning, listening to this podcast will cause you to see bad thinking everywhere. Welcome to the Filter Through a Brain Cell podcast. Hey, what is up thinkers? Kathy Gibbons here. Welcome back to part two of the How to Think About Conspiracy Theories little tiny mini series I'm doing. There's only two parts to it. But in the last episode, hopefully you've listened to it, you heard from Connor Boyack where he talked about his book, True Conspiracies. And in his book, he covers about 20 different things that were once considered to be a conspiracy theory, but were later proven to be verifiably true. It's super interesting, at least I thought so. And I hope you've had a chance to listen to that episode. Well, today, I'm going to be sharing my thoughts on conspiracy theories, and I'll share how I have come to think about them. Now, this episode is different than how I normally do this podcast. So if you're just now finding my podcast with this episode, welcome. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm excited for you to listen. But I really also want to encourage you to go back and start listening at episode one of this podcast. You're going to begin learning about logical fallacies and critical thinking. And most of my episodes are around seven to eight minutes long. So they're usually super short. But since this is a special edition on this one, topic. It's going to be longer than that. So don't worry. We'll be back to short episodes after this. But I really wanted to at least try to do this topic justice. So I am taking some extra time here. Now, whenever we dive into a topic like this and talking about it, I feel like it's always a really good place to start is defining our terms. And honestly, even just with defining our terms, this is where things start getting dicey when it comes to conspiracy theories, because I have discovered that different people define it different ways. And the term itself, conspiracy theory or conspiracy theorist, somebody who believes them or likes them, um, has kind of been weaponized. It has been used as a put down. It's been used as derogatory language. Um, It's super interesting kind of what it's morphed into in our culture. But one of the most important things that you can do in a conversation is define your terms and agree on what certain words are going to mean in your conversation. When you can't come to agreement on what words mean, it's very hard to have a conversation. So let me just give you this. I even looked it up in different places, define conspiracy theory differently, but let's go with dictionary.com. So dictionary.com defines conspiracy theory as a theory that explains an event or set of circumstances as being the result of a secret plot by usually powerful conspirators. And it also adds the second definition, um, a theory asserting that a secret of great importance is being kept from the public. Um, And I don't know that that's always what people mean when they say conspiracy theories, but I think those two definitions are are pretty close. They're probably pretty right on. Um, I just did a really informal, totally not scientific poll on my social media asking people where they land when it comes to conspiracy theories. It was really interesting. Over, I only gave them three subjects or three options. Like I said, this was not a very scientific uh, poll. But 
Over half the people who responded described themselves as being conspiracy curious, meaning they're not necessarily all in on conspiracy theories, but I don't think they're all crazy either. They think there might be something to it, and so they're kind of open at looking, open to looking into them. The next largest group, so that was over half, right? The next largest group were the ones who are conspiracy theory believers, and they're all in. They're like, yep, I think they're real. I think there's a lot to them. Not necessarily that they believe all of them, but they're they're believers. And then the smallest group were the people who think that they're all ridiculous, and so are the people who fall for them. <laughs> Super interesting, right? But what it showed me is that people are paying attention to this. The vast majority of people who responded were either all in or or at least curious about them. And even in this little poll that I did, not everyone had the same definitions for conspiracy theory. Some people thought that anyone who questioned the explanations that we're given on the news for the things that are happening should be considered a conspiracy theorist. While others felt like it's just common sense and wisdom to question the official narrative. And then they thought that conspiracy theories are different than not just totally trusting the nightly news and political talking points. And then there were some people who call anyone with any remotely fringe views a conspiracy theorist, and often the term is meant to be condescending, a a way of calling someone an idiot or crazy or irrational. Super interesting, right? And then, of course, there's the name calling that happens on social media. Thank goodness the people on my page didn't do that, because I don't like that kind of thing. But... We've seen it. You can go anywhere and look at look in the comment section, and you'll see you're a crazy conspiracy theorist. Yeah, well, you're just a normie sheeple, right? Like, good grief, y'all. Good grief. So, just know that if you're talking with someone about conspiracy theories, you may want to ask them how they define the term first, so that you can have a good conversation with them. Now, I think it's interesting to note that while the term conspiracy theories may be I don't know, fairly new. In fact, I did a little research into this. Where did the term come from? And did you know that there's actually a conspiracy theory around where the word or the term conspiracy theories came from? Yeah, it's true. Um, I'm not going to go into that here on the podcast. You can look that up if you want to. It's interesting. But conspiracy theories are not new. It's them conspiracy theories themselves are not something that's just made up or new. Did you know that the Bible even talks about it? So check this out. Psalm 2 says this, why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed. It's super interesting. I won't read the whole chapter, but I encourage you to check it out yourself. In fact, later it says that God laughs at the people who are conspiring, the kings and the rulers who are doing the conspiring. It's super interesting. That's a, It's a fascinating psalm. That, again, that psalm too to look at. So, And one of the people who had commented in my little unscientific poll had said that he's not a conspiracy conspiracy theorist because he doesn't believe any government, or at least our government, could come up with a sneaky plan and then execute it, basically due to incompetence. But this chapter of scripture tells us the opposite, tells us that they absolutely do, and they have been for a long time. But okay, let's just go kind of with more recent times. For the past four years, I think at least I have seen a big surge in conspiracy theories becoming mainstream, at least the topic and people who are looking into them, interested in them, and um, and talking about them. More and more, people are becoming aware. And there, it's a whole thing right now. And, there, and here's the thing, there is no shortage of conspiracy theories, rabbit holes to dive into. Oh my goodness. From events surrounding the pandemic to certain lists of politicians and celebrities, 
species, to aliens, to chemicals in our food and our sky, to flat earth versus globe earth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The list is long. And I'll just tell you this. I am not going to be talking about any specific conspiracy theories in this podcast. That's not the purpose. My whole purpose here is to give you some thoughts and principles that you can use to apply to any conspiracy theory you may come across. So you're going to have to do the work for yourself to discover what you think may be true or maybe not, but let me hopefully get you started. That's my intention anyways, to get you started thinking about things well. I think it would be good to tell you where I'm at with conspiracy theories so you know where I'm coming from because we all have biases, right? I talk about that a lot. We all have biases and it's helpful just to know them. So for me, I find them pretty fascinating. Now notice, I didn't say I believe them all, but I do enjoy hearing, learning, and thinking about conspiracy theories. And I'll tell you why. I have two reasons. Number one, I'm the kid who really enjoyed uh, mystery novels, not murder novels, (laughs) mystery novels as, as a child. I read every single Nancy Drew book I could get my hands on. I read Encyclopedia Brown books, and I just really enjoyed hearing about and trying to piece together um, all the little clues to solve a mystery. Well, conspiracy theories kind of fall into that category for me. They present a mystery to be solved, clues to be found, and so I think there's just this part of me that enjoys a potential real-life mystery. And then reason number two is conspiracy theories are a great opportunity to practice critical thinking skills. And you guys know I'm all about that. Obviously, I have a I have a podcast. I've done almost 200 episodes on critical thinking skills. So when looking at conspiracy theories, at least to do it well, you have to use good critical thinking. You can't just rely on emotionalism or sensationalism or what, on what somebody else is telling you they think is true. You have to actually think about what you're hearing or seeing with an open mind, with curiosity, and be able to recognize your own biases and see past them and do some research, which quite frankly is really hard for a lot of people to do. So because I enjoy hearing about them and looking at them, not all of them by no means, there's no way I could look at all of them, but I have gotten some practice at looking into some of these theories. And again, have I looked into all of them? No way. There's way too many. And I don't have the time or inclination to go down all the rabbit trails. I I won't do that. But I've looked into some. And there have been some that I've come to the conclusion they're actually true. And there have been some that I've come to the conclusion that they're not true and just ridiculous. And there have been some that I have put in that, well, I don't know box. And I'm fine with them being there. I'm okay with having an I don't know box full of ideas. I don't have to know every single little thing about all these theories. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that at the end. So um, I tell you all that so that I can share six principles that I have used to help me think about the conspiracy theories that I hear that I decide might be worth my time and interest to look into. Okay, number one intellectual honesty. Starting with intellectual honesty allows for the possibility that I don't know everything. That should not come as a surprise to anybody. You don't know everything either. Nobody does. And after I learned that even just a few of the theories that I looked into turned out to be true, like the ones that Connor Boyack wrote about in his book, I realized It's only intellectually honest to admit that there's a possibility that there could be more to the story than I know or that I have been told. 
It's only intellectually honest to admit that there's likely more to a story that's being reported on the news, that somebody might have an ulterior motive, that somebody might even have nefarious motives, and that somebody might be lying. I think it's naive to think that nobody out there lies ever or that nobody from your side, whatever that might be, would ever do anything less than honorable. We have to allow for evil and corruption in the world. We have seen it proven time and time again throughout history. And so who are we to think that it couldn't still be happening in our time now? Now, on the flip side, we also don't want to be totally gullible either. I have seen some people who will believe just about anything if it's prefaced with some sensational headline like, here's the secret truth about XYZ, right? They're People out there turning over rocks, trying to find new conspiracy theory rabbit holes to go down to. Sensationalism sells. And we have to be able to see past the sensational headlines and really ask if what's being said is true. Okay, so intellectual honesty. And this brings me to principle number two. Identify the kernel of truth. I've learned that there's almost always a kernel of truth in most stories, both the quote-unquote official narrative and the quote-unquote conspiracy theory that goes along with it. Now, how big that kernel of truth is may vary based on the theory being presented, but there's often a kernel of truth. And this, to me, needs to be acknowledged because the truth matters. We don't want to just reject the whole idea as ridiculous because there's very likely some truth in there. But we also don't want to fall for nonsense just because there's a little bit of truth to it. We're going to have to do some mental sifting. Aristotle is credited with saying, It is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. And I am amazed at how many people are completely unable to even listen to an opposing theory or idea without becoming agitated or angry. Just because you hear about something doesn't mean you have to agree with it or accept it. And that leads me to principle number three. Acknowledge your own biases. So a bias is simply a limitation in how you view the world. And here's the thing. We all have them, some stronger than others, but we all have them. And one question that helps us to overcome our biases is this, could I be missing something? For instance, here's what that could sound like. Someone could say, I work in healthcare, so I realize I'm very hesitant to believe that anyone in healthcare could ever have malicious intent or that we could be doing something that's harming people, but maybe I'm missing something here. Or you could do it from the other perspective. I'm a conspiracy theorist, I know that, so it's very hard for me to acknowledge that somebody on the nightly news could be telling the truth, but could I be missing something here? Do you see how that goes? Right, so that's an example of acknowledging your own bias. Now, once you've acknowledged your bias, you can move on to principle number four. That is search versus research. Okay, if you're truly interested in learning about a particular conspiracy theory, you're going to have to do some work, probably a lot of it. You're going to have to learn the difference between search and research. And if you're just looking at TikTok videos, that's probably not research. That might be search, right? Do you see the difference between the two? So many people will start with a theory, and then they just go to try to find anything that will back that theory up and make it look good, and you can sell that, or you can try to sell that, but that's not real research. Real research takes effort. It takes work. It takes an open mind. It takes a willingness to learn both sides of an argument. For instance, one of the theories that's gaining momentum right now is flat earth. 
And I've seen several versions of memes going around making fun of the flat Earth theory by showing, you know, the sun and the moon and all the planets in our solar system is being round, but then they show the Earth is, you know, being a flat disk in the middle of the solar system. It looks ridiculous, right? And it's meant to make fun of the flat Earth theory. But the problem is that's not actually what flat Earthers believe at all. And this was new to me. I had no idea what flat Earthers believed, right? So until I looked into it and I was like, oh, this is what they believe. That's different than what I thought they believed. So it just shows that the people poking fun at the theory haven't done enough research to even know what the other side really believes. And it's always easier to build a straw man or an ad hominem um, attack against somebody than to actually put the effort into really understanding. Now, that brings me to the next point. Do you really need to put the effort and the work into learning about every conspiracy theory out there? Good question. And that brings me to principle number five. Principle number five is, so what? So what? Okay, here's the thing, guys. Not every conspiracy theory matters to you or your life. But there may be some that do. Okay, you see, I I like balance, as you can tell. So this is where, to me, it's helpful to have some discernment. Some theories out there, if they're true, have very real implications for us. They have very very real implications for our health, for our children's health, for our finances, and possibly even for our spiritual faith. Well, those are important things that intimately affect our daily lives. But then there are some theories out there that don't have the least bit of impact on our daily life whatsoever, and discovering the quote-unquote truth won't change your life at all. So to me, these are important distinctions. Are you caught up in conspiracy theories because you have an insatiable desire to know everything? Or are you looking into some of them because it's really something that could have a direct impact on your life? Okay, that brings me to principle number six. Have boundaries. Have boundaries. You do not, here's your official (laughs) permission, you do not have to care or know about every single conspiracy theory out there, regardless of how much someone is insisting that you should. You only have so much time, energy, and attention that you can give in any 24-hour period. We all do. And each of us is responsible for how we spend our time, for how we spend our energy, and for where we put our attention. And I personally, I've had times where I've found found myself spending way too much time and attention listening to conspiracy theories and thinking about them and studying to see if they're true or not. And God's convicted me on that. As you guys know, I'm a Christian. So I look to scripture and there I see the need for a wise balance. On one hand, Proverbs 16, 16 says, how much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight than silver. And over and over, we see that we should be seeking for knowledge, for understanding and for wisdom. But then we're also warned of the downside of seeking too much knowledge and wisdom in Ecclesiastes, really the whole chapter, first chapter of Ecclesiastes, but verses 17 and 18 say, Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. And some people might say, well, those two are totally contradictory. No, they're not at all. They're teaching us balance. Look, I don't think humans are meant or even able to know everything everything that's happening in the world, everything that's ever happened, the history and the origin of all the things, it's too big of a burden to bear. And we have to live our daily lives. We're responsible for our families. We're responsible for our finances, for the world that God has put us in now. 
But we are living in a world where we could, if we wanted to, just know about just about anything due to the internet and to the cell phones that we carry in our hands. And this amount of access to unlimited knowledge comes with a price. And King Solomon, who is regarded as the wisest man to ever live, tells us he went down that road and the price that came with it was sorrow and grief. So that to me is something to pay attention to for sure. So you guys... I'm coming up on 20 minutes here, and there is so much more that could be said in this topic, um, but this has been long enough. I really just wanted to give you some principles for thinking well about this topic, and I'm I'm curious, what principles would you add to this list? Talk about it with your family. Ask them where do they fall on the spectrum of interest or belief in conspiracy theories, and see if you can at least have a fun, curious conversation about it with the goal of pushing in toward truth. And that's where I really just want you to land is, okay, what is the truth here? Am I seeking sensationalism for sensationalism's sake? Am I denying everything just because just because that's what I do? Or am I looking really to know what is the truth? Do I have the intellectual curiosity to even be able to do that? All right, guys, that's it for today. Remember, when you learn how to think, you will no longer fall prey to those who are trying to tell you what they want you to think. And it all starts with asking one simple question. Is that really true? I would love to hear from you. Do you have questions about fallacies and cognitive biases? Are you now starting to see and hear them everywhere around you too? Well, send them in. They just might get featured on the podcast. You can email them to me at think at filteritthroughabraincell.com or you can connect with me on Instagram at filteritthroughabraincell. And if you want to be notified about when new episodes come out and all the things that we're doing, go to www.filteritthroughabraincell.com and sign up to receive email updates. I would love it if you would help us on our mission to teach society how to think well. Please subscribe, leave us a review, and share this podcast with